Hi, my name is Robert Newberry, and welcome to the Renovate Podcast. This week, we have a new speaker for you named Francis Janum, who we have been so blessed by since he's come on staff. And I'm really excited to hear him preach because his sermon is The Gospel's Antidote to Loneliness. We hope you enjoy. So, uh, for those of you who do not know who I am and who did not whoop for me, uh, I am offended. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, for those of you guys who don't know who I am, my name is Francis Janun. Um, I'm one of the pastoral interns here at Christ Chapel um, and have been for, has it really been a year? Something like that, give or take? Numbers are hard? Great. Um, and uh, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been awesome. My wife and I have been coming here for that some odd amount of years um, or months that equal a year. Um, and we love it. Uh, it's been a super privilege to be here, uh, a part of Christ Chapel and being part of such a thriving body of believers, um, as well as to be a part of such a, um, a wholesome uh, ministry um, led by such faithful leaders. So um, we love it here. Um, a little bit more about me. Um, I am married. Um, I've been married for two years. Again, numbers are hard, so uh, I'm just going to round up two years, two years in June. I'll say that. I'll be, I'll be honest. Um, we, uh, I'm married to my wife, Keely, uh, Keely Woods, Keely Janun now. Um, we, have, uh, we live in Saginaw, um, just north of Fort Worth. We just closed on our house in March, so praise God. Um, and we have, uh, we're starting our family. Um, we have uh, two kids. Um, our second one's coming in August. Uh, our first child, also known as our fur child, is a four-pound chihuahua. Um, her name is Chi-Chi. We call her Chi for short. Um, and she has the personality the size of the Empire State Building. So hopefully, I told Keely to bring her tonight. I don't know if she actually did or if that was okay, Ben. Sorry. I don't know if you got pet control out here or anything like that. Anywho. Um, but uh, no, but our actual child is going to be born in August coming up here pretty soon. And we're excited to bring her into this world. I know. Thanks, y'all. So much support. I received that. Thank you. Um, on behalf of my wife and I. Um, but no, a little bit more about me um, as we're going to talk about loneliness and we're going to unpack what that means tonight. Um, a little bit more a backstory on myself and where I come from. Um, so I actually grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, really? <laughs> I was not expecting that. Um, <laughs> uh, I grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, where um, I'm an only kid. Um, my mom and dad divorced when I was two. Um, and my mom is, uh, she, she was an alcoholic. She's been seven, she's been sober now for seven years. Um, praise God. Um, and my dad, um, is, he has the emotional capacity of a launcher. Um, <laughs> I honor him though. I mean, my mom's, my mom's, um, alcoholism runs in the family. It's, it's, uh, it's not hereditary, but it's, it's a, it's a family curse that has continued into my mom's family and into my cousin's family or my cousin's lives, um, and my dad didn't have a dad there for him whenever he was growing up, and so he really couldn't be a dad for me because he didn't know what it looked like. So um, whenever I was living in Minnesota, my dad was moving around the country trying to find another job, and uh, my mom, uh, there was an incident that happened with my mom's alcoholism that, um, that made my dad want to do the, the custody dance, the custody battle um, for, the, for the rights of taking care of me. And so, you know, Clearly, I'm here right now, so he won. Um, and he, uh, I moved down a year later after he was here, um, and my mom followed a year later. And so uh, 
it was a, it was a really hard, a really hard time, um, you know, because I didn't have any, I, didn't, I don't have any brothers or sisters. I had a barely a mom and a barely a dad, um, and all the family that I ever knew lived up in Minnesota. Um, you know, I had, I had lots of cousins, I had lots of aunts, uncles, and all that stuff, but um, they were the closest thing I had to, like, brothers and sisters, and so whenever I moved to Texas, I, I lost that. Um, and so it was uh, safe to say that uh, I myself was alone. Um, I was going into seventh grade, probably like the worst year you could for someone who was just moving into Texas, because I thought that everybody was going to wear cowboy hats and cowboy boots and ride the horses to school, and you know, and that they were just going to have like the spurs and kick around, whatever. I think that's the sound spurs make. I don't know. I don't wear them, so it's fine. Um, But no, I uh, full just being fully transparent. It it sucked. It was not fun. and I, I, I don't wish that on my kids to save my life. And um, with that, I, I say that not in, you know, throwing a pity party for Francis. I, that's not, you know, I have the spotlight now, feel pity for me. I, I say that only to say that because I feel like in some sort of degree, in some sort of caliber, we can relate to loneliness. In, in whatever circumstance happened in your life, I feel like at some point we can know what loneliness feels like. And... In whatever degree, whatever degree, that, I mean, that could, be, that could be one of many things. And tonight, I think, as, as, you know, we've, as I've been kind of working through this sermon and trying to, you know, put it together and, and, and you know, speaking with uh, people I trust and, you know, doing my own research, looking through the Bible, looking into my own heart, you know, I, it came down to the point that loneliness is something a lot bigger than we probably think it is. It's a lot bigger than, you know, thinking that we just have more friends, I think it's a lot bigger than, you know, how many followers we have on Instagram or Twitter. Um, And so that's why I think tonight what I want to do is I want to unpack what loneliness really is for us. I mean, you know, primarily, you know, like where does it come from? I think it's important to know where loneliness comes from so we can better understand, you know, how to, what what it is. Um, Secondly, you know, what does it do to us? What is, how does loneliness have an effect on me? What are some of the, by, um, the byproducts of loneliness in my life and in my heart that come out in different ways? And then, obviously, because we're going through this mini-series of, of um, the Gospels and Antidote for uh, last week. I don't know if y'all were here, but, or if y'all listened to it on the podcast, but Josh Story was up here, and he crushed it with the Gospels and Antidote for, for uh, I Hate My Job. Why I Hate My Job. It was phenomenal. I highly suggest you go listen to it back on the podcast. And so today we're going to be talking, obviously, the gospel is the antidote for loneliness. And so we're just going to get right into it. Um, where does loneliness come from? Solid question. Um, I think, like I said earlier, loneliness is, is something that's much deeper than we, than we probably think. Um, and again, when I was doing some research trying to put this whole sermon together, um, I think it, was, it came to the point to where loneliness, like, loneliness really isn't a sin, um, we see it like even we see it before Genesis three, whenever the fall of man happened. Whenever you hear this in weddings all the time, where you know the pastor, or the priest says, you know, it was not God who created Adam, and that it was not good for man to be alone, so he created a helper from the from the side from the rib of Adam, and he made Eve. And so, and I think even with that, I think loneliness is not something that you know. It's loneliness has been something that's been around since forever. Like, it's, it's not something new to us. It's not something that's just this new thing that happened in the 21st century that we're just like, oh, my gosh, like, we, caught, we got caught off guard. Like, oh, we're lonely. What do we do? You know, like, it's, it's something that's been around for a long time. And, I mean, we see that. Like, we see the most renowned people in the Bible. I mean, I, I draw down, you know, just a few names. Uh, Adam and Eve, Job, Joseph, David, Solomon, Elijah, Elisha, Daniel, 
um, and a whole bunch more. Um, but the one that I, I think that hits home most for a lot of us, given that we just got done celebrating Easter, is Jesus. I think the, I just, it, it baffles me that the, Lord of, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords came down to a point where he was lonely. Where as he was hanging on a cross, from having just been denied by one of his favorite disciples, is hanging on a cross by nails in his hands and his feet, and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. It's just like empty room, like, oh my gosh, you're so right. Uh, um, <laughs> but I think, I think that's what it comes down to. Like, and so even if we look at a contemporary context or a contemporary setting of what loneliness is, I think it has this characteristic that even in the most connected period of time ever on the face of the earth, we can be in a room full of 300 people, or be in a room with five people, or two people, or just one person, and still feel alone. I think that's, I think, I think it's, it's, it's more than just, you know, I think we have this in, innate feeling of, you know, whenever we see, you know, someone post on, on Instagram, like they're, you know, they got a story that they're going to go out and, you know, they're going to go have a bite to eat, or they're going to go to Billy Bob's, or they're going to go have a beer, or they're going to do something, and there's a kind of, there's a peace in us that's like, ah, I kind of wish I could have got an invite. Like, we kind of get, like, FOMO out here, like, ah, that would have been really fun to be a part, but I'm not going to be salty or bitter. So, um, <laughs> but I think, I think, but that, st- that, that kind of stems from almost like our, it's almost in our design to have community, to long for community. And I think by our design, I think we have that longing. And I think it's really funny because it plays out in kind of like a bunch of different pop culture ways that like you don't even have to be a Christian but you've kind of you kind of see it in the culture that I mean for prime example breakfast club you guys seen breakfast club okay good okay I was like y'all crazy out here never seen breakfast club um breakfast club is like it's, it's one of my favorite 80s movies and I'll be fully transparent just because you know it's um you know just trying to be transparent every time there's some, some sort of 80s party going on I always dress up as Bender I mean, because who else would you want to dress up as? Like some, some other person? It's ridiculous. <laughs> I really couldn't think of another person because Bender's just cooler. Um, and I think we look at this, and I think we look at this movie, and we see we, just, we like the idea, and we like the, the kind of the, the plot of a movie where there's a bunch of different people from a bunch of different areas of life. You know, we, we look at the jock, we look at the, we look at the nerd, we look at the weirdo, we look at um, the, the beauty queen, look at the rebel, and they all come together and they end up becoming like best friends by sharing, you know, some really hard moments in their life. And we see that and we're like, yeah, like I love that movie because, you know, at the very end he's walking, you know, through the goalposts, whatever, on the soccer field, and he just, mm, he does that last pose, of like, I made, yeah, I made it, and through detention, like, get over yourself, you're in high school. Um, <laughs> but I think, I see, like, and I'll, see, I'll say this as well, and I'm going to try really hard, Lord, please give me self-control, that I, it's Avengers Endgame. Who's seen it? Okay, great. For all of you who have not seen it, you need to see it. Um, it's a great movie. Uh, who's, who, okay, who saw Avengers fin- Infinity War? Really? Great. Totally. 
uh, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't matter. I'm going to still tell you this, this stat because it, it just is, it's baffling. So Avengers Endgame, you know, we can safely say that, you know, it's, it's a ragtag group of superheroes who, uh, who come together and, and fight these evils that are against, you know, Earth, that are coming to take over Earth, you know, i.e. Thanos. Um, and we look and, and it's like we, we like that camaraderie of teamwork and togetherness and unity for a common good. And this, is about, this blows my mind. I was talking with Josh, you know, a couple days about this. And Avengers, and Avengers Endgame obliterated, obliterated the box office, the opening box office records with bringing in a total of $1.2 billion in sales. Like, that's insane. Like, like don't, don't even, like, talk to me about Star Wars. Don't even talk to me about, you know, <laughs> anything else. You know, Breakfast Club. Don't talk to me about Breakfast Club. Um, but no, I think... Even in that number, even in that statistic, you know, especially, I mean, granted, Infinity War, like, those people, like, a bunch of people, if you haven't seen Infinity War, I'm sorry, I'm going to ruin it for you. Uh, a bunch of people died. And we're like, oh, man, what are we going to do now? And then they see it, and it's good, and it's great. But I think even with that, I think there's still a piece inside of us that longs for that community. I think there's still, I think that kind of speaks for us and where we're at and how we desire connection, human genuine connection, human genuine um, community. And so I think even to the point of that, I think we come down to the, to the, to the conversation of, of I want to be on the end of that group. And that brings me to my second point is that what does loneliness do? What, is, what loneliness does to us and what it looks like? And I think if I'm, going to be, if I'm going to be fully transparent with y'all, I think it distracts us from what really is. It lies to us. I think it, I think it, may, I think it makes us say, there's no way that I can be myself and people will still like me. I think, I think it makes us say that there's no way that I can be myself and still be wanted in a group. Like, I, ha, I, ha, like I have to be the jock. I have to be the Captain America. I have to be the, I have to be, you know, the, the nerd. I have to be the beauty queen. I have to be the green raging Hulk monster. Like I have to, I have to be, I have to associate with something to be in a group. I have to assume some sort of identity and that makes us think that we need stuff that we don't actually need. I think it makes us think that we need the cars, we need the watches, we need, we need the house, we need, we need the job, we need the paycheck, we need the degree, we need the girl, we need, you know, whatever. We need the four pound chihuahua, like we need it. <laughs> uh, but I think, even on a deeper level, I think what loneliness makes us do is what it makes us do things that we don't normally do. Some simple examples, I think it makes us party harder at, at parties to just seem that we're cooler. I think it makes us post a little bit more promiscuous po- pictures on Instagram. I'm just being candid. I think it makes us post promis- promiscuous photos on Instagram so we can get more likes so that we can feel like, you know, we're being accepted. I think it makes us twist and, and mold our, and, and forfeit some of our moral um, uh, ideals for the sake of being associated with a political agenda, with a political side. Like, I feel like we, we have to pick a side and, and, and change ourselves and our ideals so that we can fit that mold. I think it makes us tell more crude jokes when we're in a, when we're in a room because, you know, like, oh, he's funny. Like, oh, I like the funny guy. Like, oh, I want, like the popular, I want to be the popular person. I want to be the funny person. I want to be the cool person. I want to be the athletic person. I want to be, you know, the, the famous guy on Instagram who doesn't really do anything, but he's famous anyways because for whatever reason. 
And that's why I think, and I like, I, 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 I mean, I just have this idea. I have this idea. You can tell me if it's dumb. You can tell me if it's good. Agree with me, disagree, whatever. But I think instead of trying to be the jock, the beauty queen, the rebel, the nerd, the weirdo, whatever, instead of being those things, how about we be Christians? How about we be, we acknowledge our brokenness, and in our brokenness, we love other broken people in a broken world for the sake and for the glory of Jesus Christ. Why don't we do that? Why don't, I, that's, to me, it just, it, it hits so hard home because it's like, we're all broken. I think Ben does a great job every single week of reminding us that. And that we take, we take God seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously because we know at the end of the day, I am nothing apart from Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who I associate with. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter, you know, who I think I am or who others think that I am. But I'm a broken person saved by Jesus Christ. I think that brings us down to my, to my last point, and this is, this is I think, going to be the, the meat and potatoes of tonight, but I think it's, it's the cure for loneliness. And what does that look like? Because I think we can't cure loneliness unless we know how we're already broken. And this is, this is in uh, Isaiah 59. If you guys are taking notes, I highly suggest you, you write these down. You pen them in your phone or you write them on your hand or you write them on the connect card or whatever. Because in Isaiah, Isaiah, what Isaiah says in chapter 59, verse 2, in the context of what's going on is that God has been faithful to his people, the Israelites, he has, he has been with them since the creation of time. He's been with them since Noah. He's been with them since, since the Tower of Babel. He's been with them. He's been with them even the exodus from Egypt and even leading them through the wilderness and giving them the promised land that he promised them even though they were rebellion. And they're rebellious and they were disobedient. But in I think this does such a great job to tell us of, of what sin is in our lives. And it's, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, and it says, But in your iniquities, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. I think we understand that whenever sin entered into the world in Genesis 3, we see that man and God ripped apart. We're separated. We can no longer be, you guys, you guys already know this. But it's important to remember that this is, how, this is how sin entered into the world, and this is how we were separated from a God who created us, a creator from his creation. And then the second part is in uh, Romans 8. This is how the gospel closed the gap between, our, uh, between what we did to ourselves and how God came to us. In Romans chapter 8, verse 37 through 39, This is what Paul writes. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors in them who loved us. For neither, so for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
God mended what we broke. And that being the, sim- the simple relationship between us as his creation and him with our creator. And my wife is super wise. If you guys have never met my wife or talked to my wife or anything like that, you need to talk to her because she's awesome and she's super beautiful, smoking hot even. Um, <laughs> fully transparent. Um, my wife described this to me. You know, I'm the seminary student. I'm going, to, I'm going to Southwestern, and I'm the seminary student, and she's still taking me to school. That She also went to the village, so that should probably explain something. Um, <laughs> uh, God and man were created together, and they walked together in the garden. We know that. But whenever man, and, whenever man sinned and sin entered into the world through death, man and God were disconnected, or they were separated. And throughout time, we think that whenever we, whenever we read Jesus and how he came up on the scene, that he just kind of, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, three years, he, he, he bridged the gap between, like, our sin and his, and his glory. Like, it didn't take him any time at all. But Jesus was prophesied for thousands and thousands of years. He spoke through prophets. And that's what, whenever we are separated from God, God spoke to prophets to speak to man. And then even further than that, Jesus came down from heaven to dwell with man. Taking it even a step further than whenever the original design of creation, God walking with man, that whenever Jesus died and he ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit descended so that it could dwell in us, God wants to be so, so in a relationship with us that he came to dwell in us, not just next to us to walk alongside us, but in us. And I think that, I think that should say volumes. Because whenever I moved to Texas, going into seventh grade, I knew nobody. But I had this one friend. We all have that one friend who, who just, hey, come to church. Hey, come to church. Hey, come to church. And out of full transparency, out of reluctancy, I said yes. And I went. And the most amazing thing happened. People wanted to know who I was. People wanted to know what my favorite color was. People wanted to know what I like to do in my spare time. People like to know what my favorite flavor of ice cream was. I don't know. They wanted to know who I was. And I couldn't tell you the date. I couldn't tell you the time. I couldn't tell you even what the sermon was about. But there was one night where the God of the universe, it just, it clicked. The God of the universe wants to have a relationship with me. Whenever nobody else does. Nobody else. Not my mom, not my dad. Not my nobody. I didn't have friends. And I think that should rock us to our core that the God of the universe whenever we messed up, whenever we separated ourselves from a God that loved us, he still wanted to have a relationship with us. And there's a third, there's a third verse I think you guys should probably write down. It's in 1 John chapter 4. And I think this does perfectly to take the first verse, take the second verse, put them together, and make us ask the question of what do we do with this? This is 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. 
And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we may live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation means substitute. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. I think that makes us reevaluate how we interact with others and what the cure for loneliness is, 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 because, I mean, again, full transparency, I think the hard part about this sermon is, is really good to be like, okay, so loneliness is a thing. <clears throat> it's real. Jesus is great. He's, he, I know he died for me. It says it in a book that was written thousands and thousands of years ago. Awesome. What does that mean for me today? What sort of tangibility is there? You want me to just read my Bible more? You want me to just love God more? No, no, because I think it's so much more than that. We are the tangibility of God. We, now I'm not putting us on par with God by any means. I'm saying that the, the people know the love of God by how we love others because God first loved us. And we know what that love looks like, how we ought to love others because we were first loved with it. I think we become the tangibility of God's love and how we interact with others. That's how I came to know Jesus. In a world where I had no friends and no family, I had nothing. There was one guy who asked me, hey, come to this thing. I think he actually said it with thing. I was just like, that sounds sketchy, dude. There's pizza. Oh, really? I'll be there. But we are the tangibility. We are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ as we are his body of believers. And this is the kind of the part that I want to, there's, there's obviously two different kinds of people when we're talking about this. I think there's, there's people who, who already have community. I think there's people who, you know, maybe don't. You know, people who maybe just, who just came up on the scene, maybe somebody who's new to a town, you know, someone who, who um, transferred schools, maybe someone who's stepping out into the real world and they don't know anything. I think, I think the first person, you know, people who already have community, I want to speak to you guys because this is really, this is a sermon that's super easy to kick your feet back up and be like, I'm good, dog. Like, no sweat. I got my group. I got, I got my squad. Let's get it. <laughs> Full of transparency, I'm not cool. So, uh, but I think I think that this is a super easy part where we get to, you know, kick it into, in, into cruise control and we just coast. But just because you have a community doesn't mean that other people do. Doesn't mean that other people have a group that they can call, that they can call on whenever they're going through a hard time. And I bring that up to say that 
Maybe you're good in your group, but maybe you need to be better by inviting someone into your group. That's, and that's awkward. Like, I've kind of fully embraced my awkwardness, so it's like almost like a spiritual gift, I want to say. <laughs> we laugh, but... Um, but I think that, that's, that's kind of awkward for us because, you know, we're inviting someone new who doesn't, you know, maybe share the same jokes, maybe doesn't play the same sport, maybe doesn't dress the same way that we do. But we maybe know, I think we can all say that we know at least one person. You know, maybe they know Jesus, maybe they don't know Jesus, but we can think of one person that maybe would like to feel included. And I think this takes a little bit of buy-in. I think this takes you being vulnerable. I think that means that you got to be vulnerable with yourself in order to share your hard problems. Now, I'm not saying that you go and, you know, pull all the skeletons out of your closet. By no means. I'm saying share a little bit about yourself, the quirks that make you human, that show that you're broken, that show that you're not a machine, but actually human. And I think the second part, the second person who, who doesn't have a community, like I said, like maybe people, someone who just moved from out of town, maybe someone who's starting over, maybe someone who um, is just going into the next stage of their life, you know, from college to real world, world or whatever, or from high school to, to college. I want to talk to you guys. I think you guys got to be vulnerable. I think we, I think it all, it comes down to this idea of like vulnerability because we think that, because we can, we have, we have this now, we have this thing, social media where we get to post these pictures with these filters that make us look like we're having a good time and that transcends over into how we actually present ourselves. Like, it's okay to be like, if someone asks you like, hey man, how you doing? Like, I'm not doing too good, bro. You don't have to, you know, hold them, for, hold them down for 30 minutes and, you know, tell them all your worries. But I think, I think there's a part of us that needs to be like, actually, I'm not doing good. Like someone in my family just died. Like, hey, my parents are getting divorced. I'm not doing good. And I think for, the, for those people who don't have community, I think it also means that you got to step out and you got to get uncomfortable. And I'll say this too because it's it's I was encouraged by this whenever I was in student ministry and I was I was getting brought up you know in, in learning how to do ministry, and I learned something from one of my pastors and it said and he said, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay okay. Like you think that you're going to be able to make it on your own, and I hate to be the guy who's not going to give you hope in that aspect of your life, but you're not going to be okay on your own because we have an innate peace of us that desires community. Ever since the beginning of time, ever since the creation of man, we desire community. It's in us. We can't solo, you know, lone ranger this thing. And I'll say this too, to both sides. I think, I think we got to remember that. Full transparency. I learned this from a professor, my philosophy of uh, religion professor back at uh, Harvard on the Hill, Weatherford College. And um, <laughs> I, uh, he said he has, like, he has like five PhDs or something, and he teaches at a community college. I don't know why. Um, 
But he says the most profound thing that he's ever come to realize, and that is true among all walks of life, is that people suck. Can I say that? Great. <laughs> because I think there's also, as, as vulnerable as we need to be, we also have to remember that people are human and that they have brokenness. And don't be shocked that they don't accept you on the first try of being like, hey, I actually deal with this. And maybe they get caught off guard and they don't know what to do with it because maybe they're dealing with the same thing that you are. And so I think there's a piece of us that needs to, to have a little bit of grace that if we're trying to put ourselves out there and we're trying to find a group, we're trying to be social and we, we get shot down. Francis didn't say that was going to happen. I did. It's towards the end of the sermon that you like checked out. But I think we have to have a little bit of grace. And I think, I, wanna, I, wanna, I just want to give this reminder as we're, as we're, as we're closing this thing down that we don't come to church. We don't do this. We don't come together. If for those of you who are new to this, are or, or new to the idea of church, we don't do this because it's fun. We don't do church, you know, with this capital C church thing because it's some sort of country club. But we do this because it's a part of us. Is that this is something that we know that we need because we need to have brothers and sisters who are going to hold us accountable for the sins that we have and the problems that we know that we can lean on them for, to help with our problems. I think we need to know that the church is essential to us doing this. Invite someone to church. Invite someone to renovate. Invite them to your home groups. If you're not in a home group, invite, go, fill out one of those communication cards. We talk about it every week, but do it. They'll actually they'll literally take you out for, like a, for a beer or a burger. It's true. I've done it. It's great. It's free food. Balling on a budget. I'm in. It's great. But actually do it. Like, actually do it. I think... I just think it, it, it just, it, it's, we can't just glaze over this idea of loneliness because it's something that is rampant throughout the entire world. And it's something that is inside of us that longs for community. And that's something that we can't ignore because it starts looking, it starts, it starts spewing itself out and being corrupt and making us believe things that we don't actually need or need to do. But the, actually the answer to our loneliness is in a relationship with a God of the universe that died for my sins. That through that relationship, I now know how to love others. And loving others, they can know what, lo- what the love of God looks like and then they can accept Jesus and then they can go out and make disciples and then go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptize the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I think that's what it comes down to. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment that, that you've given us in, this, in just this, this, this whole hours, these whole few hours that we've had together to come and to hear your word and to worship you for it. God, we praise you for who you are and we thank you for dying on the cross so many years ago so that you could have a relationship with us. God, I pray that for the, for, the, for the guy or the girl that's in this room that doesn't know that who Jesus Christ is and what he, the price that he paid, would walk out of this room asking questions about who you are and what your love's about. And God, let the posture of our hearts be this moment of that we get to celebrate you for what you've done for us and us being able to have a relationship with you.
So God, let us lift our hearts in praise to the God of the universe that loves us. Loneliness is something that can creep into our lives at any point, and it can seem pervasive. The feeling of isolation, like you have no one to connect to, can even be a hopeless one. But how loving is our God to show just how much he wants to be in community with us by sending his only son to suffer and die so that we would never have to be alone again. He made a way for us to be in community with him eternally, and for that we get to praise. But we get it. Even in that truth, it can feel at times like that isn't tangible, even though we know that's wrong. Sometimes we need community to remind us how satisfying a relationship with Christ is. So we say each week that you can reach out to us on our website, but this week, because we know how real loneliness can be, I want to give you my personal email address, which is robertn at christchapelbc.org, as well as my coworker, Brooke Seal. Her email is brookes, B-R-O-O-K-E-S, at christchapelbc.org. And she's an awesome person with such a genuine heart for everyone she meets. So send one of us an email, and we will respond to you about whatever you need, whether that is information about a small group or just someone to talk to. Please reach out to us. Once again, my email is robertn, R-O-B-E-R-T-N, at christchapelbc.org. And hers is brooke, S-B-R-O-O-K-E-S, at christchapelbc.org. And we would love to hear whatever you'd like to share. You can also reach us on our website, renovateftw.org, or on social media at RenovateFTW as well. We hope this message is a blessing to you, and we will see you again next week.